0: Tonight, do you recognize this man? New video of the suspect in a violent sexual assault in an East Vancouver home. Plus, just days after some U.S. hikers were rescued in the backcountry of BC, two more out of towners are lucky to be alive tonight. And they're targeting people that they think are a problem and that they don't want to see. Penticton protest laying down to stand up for those without a voice.
1: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
0: Good evening. I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. A third person has now been charged in connection with the shocking murder of a 19 year old woman. Two years ago, Kieran Desi's body was found in a torched SUV in Surrey. About a week and a half ago, her ex-boyfriend Harjot Singh Dio was charged in her murder. Then on Wednesday, police announced charges against the boyfriend's mother, Manjeet Kur Dio, accusing her of being an accessory after the fact. Well, now another woman, Inder Kaur has been charged as an accessory after the fact as well. Her relationship to the other two accused is not known. She's set to appear in court on Thursday. An update now on a disturbing crime. Today, Vancouver police released images of the suspect in a violent sexual assault of a woman inside her own home. The video is brief, but the VPD wants you to take a good look at it so he can be caught and questioned as soon as possible. Jordan Armstrong reports from inside VPD headquarters.
1: Saying this investigation is high priority. Vancouver police want everyone to take a good long look at these images of the suspect in Thursday's attack. The footage obtained from a neighbor's surveillance cameras shows the accused walking with the victim before she was attacked inside her home. It happened around noon Thursday in the Killarney neighborhood. Minutes earlier, the suspect chatted up the victim at a bus stop at East 41st Avenue and Earls Street. Realizing she'd forgotten something at home, the victim left the bus stop and the creep followed her southbound on Earls to her residence. The suspect, believed to be in his 40s, was wearing sunglasses, a white tank top, shorts and sandals at the time. We believe that somebody out there is going to see these images, see the video and is going to recognize this person. And we would like to speak to whoever knows who this person is. Please give us a call. Police confirming Saturday that this was a stranger attack. The victim did not know this man. Investigators with the VPD Sex Crimes Unit remain in the neighborhood this weekend looking for more witnesses and information. Jordan Armstrong, Global News.
0: Well, it's happened again. Two hikers were rescued early this morning after becoming lost on the North Shore Mountains. As Jill Bennett reports, it's the second time in less than a week outdoor enthusiasts from out of town have had to be rescued
2: in the B.C. backcountry
3: are you folks feeling? You feeling okay? Or?
2: Two hikers in their 20s, one visiting from Ontario, the other from the U.S., almost spent a cold night on the North Shore Mountains Friday after heading up Eagle Ridge Bluffs. When it got dark, they realized they weren't prepared to keep hiking, so they called 911 for help. We're expecting like four hours round trip, but it actually takes like over, more than six hours to get to the
1: point where we actually wait for the rescue.
2: And we ran out of water and... Um, Yeah, it was pretty frustrating. The pair also didn't have any food. North Shore rescue crews reached them and brought them to safety. They say the two did the right thing once they realized they weren't prepared for the hike or to spend the night on the mountain.
4: Uh, The worst thing would have been to carry on and, uh, and lose the trail completely um, and that could have got them into some dangerous terrain and made it a lot more difficult for us to find them as well.
2: This rescue comes just days after two children spent the night on Burke Mountain in Coquitlam after falling down a steep cliff. Their father went to get help. The children were found the next morning cold and with minor injuries but otherwise okay.
5: We want you all to be responsible. We want you all to be adventure smart
2: The group Adventure Smart has been working to educate people about being prepared and safe when in the BC outdoors. Their goal is to reduce the number and severity of search and rescue calls.
4: We have to plan, take the essentials, have the proper training before you go out there. This easy access is perfect if you know what you're doing, but it can get you in trouble if you don't know what you're doing.
2: The group advises to always file a trip plan with someone as well. They even have a new app to make it easier. While the most recent searches have ended with the best possible outcome. Uh, I must thank them for uh, maybe saving our lives. Search and rescue crews say it's another reminder to always be prepared for the worst when heading into the outdoors for any length of time. Jill Bennett, Global News.
0: And the family of a missing North Vancouver man is now offering a $5,000 reward for his safe return. 29-year-old Timothy Mark Delahay was last seen on April 29 by a friend at Cultus Lake near the Canada-US border. RCMP believe he may have traveled in the backcountry from BC to Washington State, and are asking the public to keep an eye out for him. And the family's reward offer applies to anyone with information leading to Delahay's safe return. The community of Chase is joining the fundraising effort for the family of a woman who's believed to have succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning. The incident happened on a camping trip on the May long weekend. The woman was with her young daughter who remains in hospital. Kristen Robinson has more.
6: For Chase firefighters, this car wash fundraiser is personal.
1: It's a tough time for anybody in a family so it's, uh, they're managing.
6: The deputy chief of the Small Shoe Swap Volunteer Department and a captain related to the family involved in a suspected carbon monoxide poisoning tragedy.
1: Unfortunately, it happens more often than it should ever. And uh, through public education, we try to mitigate a lot of that. But uh, sometimes accidents do happen and tragic results end up...
6: On the May long weekend, police found Lucy Boran and her daughter Michaela inside a tent at a salmon arm campground. It's believed the pair was overcome by carbon monoxide. The source, a cooking pot with wood ash in it that our CMP believed they'd been using to keep warm. Boran did not survive. Michaela flown to hospital in critical condition.
1: It's heartbreaking. So I'll try and come out and do as much as I can to support
6: Jamie Hubbard one of many embracing the effort to support Michaela's father Chris during her recovery
1: it can happen so easily
6: carbon monoxide known as the silent killer you can't see smell or taste it but if inhaled the gas can kill you in minutes the warning never use camp stoves inside closed spaces
1: time will tell with the granddaughter outcome sounds promising so we keep our fingers crossed and our prayers with them and
6: Michaela being cared for in a Vancouver hospital, while her mother, a well-known makeup artist and daycare teacher, is being mourned. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A man now charged
0: with murdering a Creston woman in 2015 is also accused of killing a B.C. inmate a year earlier. 32-year-old Nathaniel Jessup is charged with second-degree murder and offering an indignity to a body in the August 2015 death of 58-year-old Catherine McAdam in Creston. Jessup is also charged with second-degree murder in the November 2014 death of his 20-year-old cellmate Dylan Levi Judd at Kamloops Regional Correctional Center. His trial by judge alone is scheduled to begin Monday in Kamloops. In September of 2015, Jessup was arrested in Vancouver after two alleged abduction attempts involving two young girls near Stanley Park. We now know the terms of the province's inquiry into record high gas prices in Metro Vancouver. The BC Utilities Commission probe will allow the public to submit online opinions, observations and thoughts regarding the impact of high gas prices. The inquiry will explore potential factors that have impacted the price since 2015, including competition and supply, as well as the mechanisms the province could use to moderate price fluctuations. A report to the government is due by August 30th. Rates soared to an all-time high this spring, with the record price nearly $1.80 per litre in Delta. A bit of relief at the pumps, though, this weekend. The price of gas is hovering at around $1.64 a litre in Vancouver. A price drop started on Friday. Gas Buddies' Dan McTagg attributes any price drop to the falling price of oil and refineries in California coming back online. That doesn't, however, explain almost constant daily price fluctuations in Metro Vancouver. Well, it was a cross-border show of opposition today over the proposed massive expansion at Delta Port. Coast Salish nations from Washington State joined their counterparts in B.C. to express their fears about the possible environmental impact if Roberts Bank Terminal 2 is given the green light. Julia Foy has more.
3: Chief Dan George's grandson, Reuben George, opened the Coast Salish Tribal Nations press conference with a prayer and a plea to protect the Salish Sea.
7: We have to be heard, we have to be listened to. We have a reciprocal relationship of spirit to our lands and waters.
3: Representatives from Indigenous tribes on both sides of the border are appealing to the Canadian Environmental Assessment Agency to stop plans for Roberts Bank Terminal 2.
6: We want it to be strong and heard. It's no, no consent. On the Roberts Bank terminal project.
8: The terminal would be built adjacent to the existing Roberts Bank terminals.
3: The plan involves building a three-berth marine container terminal plus an improved causeway. Port of Vancouver officials say this new facility is greatly needed and it won't result in a massive increase in ship traffic. Container ships are getting bigger so even though trade volumes are growing we're, we're not seeing more ships as a result of that increase in trade. But this doesn't calm the nerves of the Indigenous communities. They say the ongoing decline of salmon stocks and marine wildlife, including the southern resident killer whales, is a call to action.
5: We're doing this for my kids, we're doing it for your kids, we're doing it for everybody. The Environmental Assessment Agency
3: is expected to complete its report by year's end. The Port of Vancouver is optimistic it can build the project and protect the environment as well. we just actually entered into a conservation agreement with the government of Canada. We are slowing vessels down to reduce the amount of noise that impacts whales. The Coast Nations want a moratorium until experts can establish a baseline for health of the Salish Sea. Julia Foy, Global News.
0: Longshore workers at two key Port of Vancouver container terminals could soon be on strike. The BC Employers Association, which represents VanTerm and Deltaport, confirm THEY RECEIVED STRIKE NOTICE YESTERDAY afternoon, AFTERNOON AND WORKERS COULD BE BEHIND PICKET LINES BY MONDAY MORNING. THEY CONFIRM BOTH SIDES REMAIN AT THE BARGAINING TABLE IN THE HOPE OF AVOIDING A LABOR DISPUTE. IF THE STRIKE DOES GO AHEAD, IT WOULD CRIPPLE MOST OF THE PORT'S CONTAINER TRAFFIC SIGNIFICANTLY IMPACTING THE CANADIAN RETAIL INDUSTRY.
7: VANCOUVER PORT DEALS WITH
8: $180 MILLION OF CONTAINER TRAFFIC every day. So it will have a direct impact on consumers. um, And so the shorter um, the strike, the better the outcome.
0: A North Shore High School student is calling out the BC High School Track and Field Association after learning her teammate, a para-athlete, had been excluded from competing at this year's provincial championships. So as Nadia Stewart reports, the Grade 9 student has launched a petition for change.
7: Good job, Jess. Good job. If there's one thing West Vancouver High School students it's Rachel Watkins it's okay, it's okay. and Jess Farrell share, it's their love of running. When you run, it's, you just clear your head and it, it just when you know when
6: you're doing good, it just feels so much better than... All the stress and that's going on normally
7: normally this would be training season for both teams preparing for the BC track and field high school championships next weekend but they learned last month the BC track and field association eliminated the para-athlete division meaning Jess would not be able to compete good job Jess you're almost there how did you feel when you found out you could not go to the championship this year I feel frustrated. Jess and other para
5: athletes like him on the North Shore were already training with a goal in
6: mind for this season. It was just like harboring to see that he wouldn't, he put all this effort in and he
7: wouldn't be able to finish with his end goal. It's why Watkins launched a petition calling on the BCTFA to reverse its decision. A decision Commissioner Andrew Lenton says was made last fall because of low to no participation.
4: We had offered
8: three events to both genders, and in two of the events uh, for multiple years, we had not a single participant in either gender.
7: Lenton says organizers added the para-athlete division only as a trial, though no information about this being a trial or how long the trial would last could be found on the BCTFA's website. The association is calling on others to do more. What we would like to see is an action plan by BC Athletics and BC School Sports, and
8: the local zone rep working with coaches to develop opportunities locally.
7: For now, Watkins and Jess's coach plan on appealing to the commission at the annual general meeting next week. Hopefully Jess and other para-athletes aren't left behind next year. Nadia Stewart, Global News.
0: Dozens took part today in a sidewalk sit in in Penticton. They're protesting proposed changes to a bylaw that will make it illegal to sit or lie on sidewalks in parts of the downtown core during the summer tourist season. Jules Knox has more.
9: Dozens standing up for what they believe in by sitting down. Holding a protest in Penticton over a proposed bylaw that could make it illegal to sit or lie on certain downtown sidewalks in the summer. The people that this bylaw is targeting are not out here to be feared. They're out here because they have no other choice. They need help, they need compassion. They're targeting people that cannot afford to pay this fine. They're targeting people that they think are a problem and that they don't want to see. The city of Penticton says the proposed bylaw will help it deal with an increasing number of social issues downtown.
8: And the no sitting bylaw uh, and no sleeping bylaw that is proposed to be in place for a really relatively small area of the downtown looks at providing bylaw with a tool to deal with some of the more serious situations.
9: At the sit-in, photos of those who voted in favor of the bylaw and one of those councillors showing up in person. But he says his mind hasn't changed.
6: Not at this point. I, I, I think uh, the concerns that have been raised uh, over some of the, the, the loitering and uh, virtually blocking of doorways. I, I, I think the businesses have a right to, uh, to expect uh, um, you know, a welcoming environment.
9: As for the fine, it's currently pegged at $100. You're handing out
10: fines for people that may not have the means to pay it. You're using our tax dollars to have our bylaws officers going up and down fining when they could be doing so many other things.
9: But the city says its priority is to educate people about the rules and it will only issue a ticket after repeated infractions.
8: A fine is obviously a last resort and there's no intention to fine anyone attached to this bylaw
9: I think that we need to address the actual problem. There are already bylaws and laws against doing drugs and drinking in public. This is not the answer. At the last vote, the amendment to the good neighbor bylaw passed five to two, but it still needs to go back to council for a final reading. That's scheduled June 4th. Jules Knox, Global News, Penticton.
0: Staffing issues forced the West Kelowna Fire Department to close its doors uh, at its stations from eight o'clock this morning until well just a few minutes ago. Several firefighters at the Lakeview Heights station have been off sick for the past few days, leaving others to work overtime to compensate. Chief Jason Brolin says it's a situation that was not sustainable.
1: For me, balancing uh, community safety uh, with the safety of my people uh, is something that I'm always thinking about. And uh, what was important to us today uh, is the safety of our people. Uh, But reassure the community that we have a contingency plan in place.
0: Four firefighters remained at the nearby hall, along with paid on-call staff in the neighboring communities of Glen Rosa and Rose Valley. The chief says closing a fire hall because of staffing issues is rare, but he may have to do it again tomorrow. He adds the 10 new firefighters the city is hiring will be in place September 1st, which should solve the staffing shortage problem. It's a sign of the times. Patrons of a long-standing Vancouver tea and food shop are saying goodbye before it closes for good next week. Today, Dunbar Greetings held a new beginnings party. The store has been on Dunbar for nearly three decades, but Wednesday will be the last day on the block. The building it's in will soon be redeveloped to make way for a new condo commercial project. The owners have also dealt with changing customer demographics, so they will now sell their wares
1: online. This was like a trading post. Everybody will come here, the neighborhood, they meet here, and they know it's, they, for a long time if they haven't met for, for a long time they'll come and meet here.
7: This store has been like my family. We've known all of most of our customers, have been
0: coming here for years and years and years. Well, for the right price, you could own a piece of B.C. history. If you've driven Highway 3A east of Nelson, you've probably passed the S.S. Neskut nasukin That's what I'm sa- trying to say. It's now converted into a house. The Nasukin was launched in 1913 as the flagship for the CPR. It became obsolete in 1930 when the rail line between Proctor and Kootenay Landing was finished. The province leased it as a car ferry before it was retired in 1947. The four-bedroom home comes with the original wheelhouse and can be yours for just $429,000. <laughs> A little rain didn't dampen the spirits of crowds gathered for one of British Columbia's largest parades. The International Hayek Parade took over the streets of New Westminster today with floats, bands, and all of the fun that we have come to expect over its 48-year history. That is amazing. <laughs>
4: little rain? We need a little rain, i got to say. We do, we do. We've had some warm weather. Today's sort of the blip in the forecast, the soggy one out of our weekend, and we are actually still tracking quite a bit of active weather early this evening. If you're in the interior, here's a glance at the radar. What we are seeing, a severe thunderstorm watch has been issued. It continues for the South Thompson, the Okanagan, the Nicola, and the Fraser Canyon, all included within that. So we are looking at still the risk of thunderstorms, especially for the interior areas. It is going to clear out. We're actually going to more sunshine right across the south coast of metro vancouver for tomorrow and it's warming up how warm will it be i'll have that coming up very shortly okay thanks yvonne very
8: busy day lots going on uh raptors of course can uh, get to the finals for the first time yes drake Drake is in the house. He's <laughs> not uh, He's been kind of quiet so far. Raptors off to a uh, bit of a sputtering start, but it's still early, so we'll have highlights of the uh, first half from Toronto. Whitecaps just finished up against Dallas, and they won. So Vancouver's starting to get some traction now under uh, Mark DeSantos, and uh, Team Canada's off to the gold medal game at the World Championships in wow. uh, hockey in Slovakia. So it's been a good day so far. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah.
0: All right. Thanks, Barry. In northern Alberta, the massive wildfire near the community of High Level is still growing. And there are fears shifting winds tomorrow will threaten even more communities. It's been five days since about 5,000 residents were first told to evacuate. This video was taken by a crew creating a fire barrier at the southwest corner of the blaze. The wildfire remains about three kilometers southwest of high level and is now 105 hectares in size. Julia Wong has more on residents forced from their homes in nearby Fort Vermilion and how they're coping.
10: Allison Jacobson fled high level with her family, friends and an RV stocked with supplies. They're staying an hour away in Fort Vermilion. The stress of the wildfire and evacuation have taken a toll. A lot of emotions. A lot of emotions. Um, Stress, anxiety. Uh, We're scared. (laughs) We want to go home. But Jacobson says it's been tough financially as well. You can't wait for a sale right now. You've just got to, if you need it, you buy it. Friday, the province announced it's giving evacuees some financial help. They can start applying for that Sunday.
3: We know this is a stressful time for you. Uh, you have been away from your homes for several days now. And that is, for sev- that is tremendously difficult physically, mentally, emotionally and financially.
10: We were very um, happy about that because it will ease a lot of the burden for a lot of the families to pay off our credit card <laughs> for what we've um, bought because we had to buy fuel for electricity. News of the financial aid is being welcomed by Ron Kelland, one of roughly 300 evacuees staying at the local evacuation center.
6: Right now i got two sets of clothes. Uh, I'm going straight to the crate and buy myself some clothes.
10: But even with extra money, evacuees say it's a waiting game with this fire.
6: Well, it's nothing we can do. It's up there and that's the only thing that's going to stop this fire is rain. We're
10: just trying to pretend like we're out camping like we usually do. The fire's at the mercy of mother nature. The wind is expected to change direction Sunday, potentially blowing the fire closer to town and keeping evacuees away for a little bit longer. Julia Wong, Global News for Vermillion, Alberta.
0: Following the mass shooting in Las Vegas, security and safety have become top of mind for Sin City. Next week, crews will begin adding another 3,000 bollards along Las Vegas Boulevard. The goal is to prevent traffic from riding onto sidewalks and potentially injuring pedestrians. Construction of this phase of the project is expected to wrap up in late July. It is a remarkable story of survival. A hiker survived 16 days in a forest in Hawaii. Tonight, she's bruised but safe. More now on how she managed to survive and how she found herself in such a perilous situation in the first place.
5: After more than two weeks, finally the moment Amanda Eller's family has been waiting for. Right there, hoisted into the air, barefoot and skinny, but alive. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and today at her hospital bed speaking out about the ordeal the last 17 days of my life have been the toughest days of my life
8: that
1: was not expected <laughs> yeah, say, you can cry now it's awesome man
4: it's just uh unbelievable i'm, I'm so ha- incredibly happy to have my girl back when
5: police called off the search for eller after just 72 hours her family and friends offered up a $50,000 reward and hired a private rescue team Eller, a 35-year-old yoga teacher, went hiking alone, leaving her cell phone in her car at the trailhead of Maui's Makawao Forest. She told the New York Times she got lost, and that first day hiked until midnight looking for her car. She knew the forest well, sleeping in the mud some nights, surviving off water and berries, losing her shoes in a flash flood. And then she fell into a ravine between two waterfalls, stuck until yesterday.
6: We're all literally looking down at the same time, and at the same time, we all did a double take of, oh, there's a hiker.
5: It was Amanda, waving at the rescue team in the sky. And tonight, safe and sound, airlifted to a hospital surrounded by a grateful family. There were times of total fear and loss and uh, wanting to
10: give up, and it, it did come down to life and death, and I had to choose, and I chose life. I wasn't gonna take the easy way out.
0: And have a look at this glowing red lava and thick smoke illuminating the sky in Bali as Mount Agung erupted last night. The eruption lasted four and a half minutes and spread lava and incandescent rocks about two miles from the crater. Thick ash fell on some nine villages, but but officials say no evacuations were necessary. In Health Matters Tonight, the U.S. Federal Drug Administration has now approved the most expensive medication in the world. The gene therapy Zolgensma may now be used to treat spinal muscular atrophy. Children who inherit this rare disorder cannot sit or breathe without assistance and only live a few years. Clinical trials show the treatment improved breathing and motor function in most patients. But it comes with an untenable price tag. A one-time injection will cost $2.1 million U.S. It will be available in about two weeks. No word on how it will be paid for. A new arrival has made her first appearance at a zoo in Hungary. You have to have a look at this. A 10-day-old female white lion cub named Sonia no less is fast becoming a fan favorite for visitors oh they've been able to track her progress via webcam until now she's already practicing her roar but most days are spent sleeping and eating white lions are not albinos they have a unique coloring due to a genetic rarity there are around 300 living in various wildlife habitats around the world there are only a dozen still living in the wild as they're apparently prized by trophy hunters Oh, so sad. Yvonne, you know what? Part of when we were doing the rundown for the show, I thought we have to put that story there just for you.
4: Yes, I love a good animal story. I do love the pandas, but that tiger is definitely up there on the cuteness factor, so I approve. (laughs) How are things
0: going out there? Oh,
4: um, it has been a a soggy day today, but there is going to be a nice improvement. If you've got plans to be outdoors, tomorrow is your day. It has improved already, though, on the tower cam. It didn't look like this throughout the day. We saw a significant amount of rain for a few spots or heavier pockets, uh, but it has eased off. We'll still see some cloud cover right now out of the airport, 13 degrees with a westerly wind. And here's the moisture. So it has eased off, but we will still see that cloud cover. Nice breaks, especially along the northern and central areas of the island. Temperatures today, a cool one, only getting up to 14 or below the average that typically sits at 18 degrees. We're still looking at that instability, especially across the central and southern interior risk of thunderstorms. And a severe thunderstorm watch is still in effect for the following areas that are in yellow. And what we could potentially see is the ingredients for a severe thunderstorm. And some of those pockets could see 10 and up to 15 millimeters of rainfall or locally 15 millimeters within an hour. So we're keeping a close eye on that and the Okanagan is included within that. Now we are also going to be seeing those breaks across the south coast so anticipate that. A ridge is going to start to build in. Another snapshot of what we can anticipate for the interior tomorrow afternoon a few spots especially closer to the border in southern areas may even see the risk of a thunderstorm and that's across the southern Okanagan. We've got a smoky skies alert for the following areas uh, the northeastern corners and stretching all the way in towards the Caribou as well as Prince George, where we are looking at those areas impacted from the smoke any for the next 24 and up to 48 hours. Now, fire danger rating for the northeastern corners, tinder dry, high to extreme, much to the central half now underneath low and a few spots at moderate. If you do see a fire, please call star 555 immediately or the 1-800 number. Now, uh, as we uh, get in towards our Sunday, a ridge of high pressure is going to start to build in, and what we'll see is sunnier and drier conditions and temperatures are going to warm up. All across the province, so anticipate it to be warm and areas away from the water getting closer to 30 degrees for a few spots. The piece up to 25 tomorrow, sunny and dry. Whitehorse will see that as well, well above your average that sits at 16. Along the north coast, we're at 20 degrees, but areas away from the water could get up to 28 or 29 tomorrow. Caribou and Central Interior bumping up into the low 30s. Columbia and Kootenai may still see a fair bit of cloud cover tomorrow, but it should remain dry. And it's really southern areas of the Okanagan that we could see a chance of showers or the risk of a thunderstorm. 24 and up to 28 degrees will be the range in temperatures for areas near Whistler and along the island. Sunny and dry, a an nice improvement in comparison to the weather picture we're seeing today. The one spot, though, is the Fraser Valley. Tomorrow we could see the risk of a thunderstorm more cloud cover, but fantastic. Areas away from the water tomorrow with the Humidex feeling closer to 28. Summer-like conditions. Colleen? No kidding. All right. Thanks, Yvonne.
0: So I know the Raptors are doing really Mm -hmm. well. Team Canada is doing really well over in Europe right now. But the Japanese, they're turning pillow fighting into a national sport. Mm -hmm. Have a look. Oh, that's serious. Competitors in Japan, they jump out of their duvets at the sound of a whistle during the All Japan Pillow Fighting Championships. Yes, it is a thing. The event has been happening since 2013 in a town 150 kilometers south of Tokyo. It's a mix between dodgeball and chess, I hear. The goal is to hit the opponent's king with pillows. Saturday's regional tournament had 16 teams vying for the national competition, which is held in February. I had no idea.
2: Give them
8: an A for creativity, I I suppose, right? Good for them. And nobody gets hurt. And it could be a game show, because in Japan, we know they love game shows. (laughs) Okay, we'll go talk some maybe more traditional sports. I don't know. I know they play (laughs) basketball there, too. I wasn't going to say real. (laughs) Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Toronto Raptors are trying to make history tonight. In their 24th NBA season now, the Raptors have a chance to go to their first NBA Finals if they can knock off the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 6 in Toronto. A week ago at this time, the Raptors trailed the series 2-0, but they have reeled off three straight wins thanks to suffocating defense on a Bucks team that led the league in scoring. We should also note... The Raptors have Kawhi Leonard. He helps, too, during this comeback. Festive atmosphere in Toronto. Fans sensing something special, especially with Kawhi on their side. Kawhi, 35 points in Game 5. Starts with another cool jumper here. Toronto led early, looked good, but then they went cold. Were down, but rallied again. Norm Powell driving. Giannis with the block, but it's goaltending. Drake asking for the call, gets the call. Why wouldn't he? Drake gets his way all the time. 16 all, but Bucks shot the ball much better in the opening quarter than they did at home. Malcolm uh, Brogdon with the three. It was 31-18 after one. Second quarter, Raptors claw their way back. Kyle Lowry to Pascal Siakam. That cut the lead to nine, but Milwaukee continuing to shoot well. Nine threes in the first half, including one from Giannis. The Raps will let him have that shot all day. Ten points for Antetokounmpo in the first half. Freddie Van Vliet, what a great feat inside to Serge Ibaka. Raptors bench playing well again, but it's 50-43 Milwaukee at the half, but plenty of time for Toronto to come back. The Whitecaps' busy and somewhat brutal MLS schedule continued today at BC Place. less than 72 hours after they battled uh, to a 2-all draw in New York with the Red Bulls. It was a cross-continental flight back to Vancouver where they took on FC Dallas this afternoon, Vancouver's sixth match in a 22-day span. Seventh annual Pride Day at a colorful BC Place Today, Dallas gets the first good scoring chance. Jesus Ferreira. From the top of the box but just over the crossbar but minutes after that whitecaps take the lead and it's a beauty ali adnan splits the defenders with the power move and the fantastic finish to the far post a spectacular goal for adnan his first as a white cap and it's one nil vancouver ten minutes later more quality from the whitecaps in the final third lucas Venuto going for the accuracy. Just calmly side-foots this one to the far post. 2-0 Vancouver. Only the fifth time the Caps have scored multiple goals in a game this year. So they're up two at the break. Second half, Dallas with the golden chance. But somehow they hit the crossbar from close range. And that was key because in the 85th minute, Dallas does score. Dominique Baggi wins one battle, cuts it inside and fires it in. That makes it 2-1, nail-biting time for the Whitecaps, but give them credit, they do hang on for the 2-1 win, of big three points for Vancouver, who improved to four wins, six losses, and five draws. Jonathan so getting pumped up for the semifinals at the World Hockey Championships in Slovakia. Canada taking on the Czechs. Canada strikes first, the only Vancouver Canuck on the Canadian roster. Troy Stetcher to Mark Stone for the redirect. Now, I'm not sure that was Stone's initial plan, but it ended well. Stone's eighth of the year, or eighth of the tournament, rather. one nothing Canada after one. Early second, just ten seconds in. Darnell Nurse up on the play, will stuff it in. And it's 2-0 Canada, and that took a lot of the starch out of the Czechs, who... Of course, our next door to Slovakia had a lot of support. Then the big line combines for a pretty one. Marcia So with a bullet cross-crease pass to Pierre. Luc Dubois, who finishes nicely there. 3-0 Canada. The Czechs had their chances, but Matt Murray was very good again in goal as he has been all tournament. 40 saves today for Murray. 3-0 after two. Third period. Canada back for more. Anthony Mantha showing the world he is a very good player. Seven goals in this tourney, and then he sets up Kyle Turris. That's his fourth to make it 4-0. And then Thomas Chabot, the very talented young D-man with the Ottawa Senators, going top shelf. Canada overwhelms the Czechs today. 5-1 the final. So Canada is going to the gold medal game tomorrow. The other semi had the Russians, who were 8-0 in the tournament against Finland. One goal in the game, mid-third, rebound out front to the Finnish captain, Marco Antala, scoring his second goal of the tournament. Both have come in the playoff round as the Finns shut down the Russians and their firepower 1-0. So it's Finland, Canada for gold tomorrow at 11. Russia and the Czechs play for bronze.
1: Loose at the side. Giants free it. In the slot. Byram scores!
8: Vancouver Giant defenseman Bowen Byram has won the CHL's Top Prospect Award. He's the first Giant ever to receive that honor. Byram had a 26 goals, 71 point regular season and led the playoffs in scoring with 26 points. The 18-year-old from Cranbrook is expected to go as high as number three overall at the upcoming NHL entry draft here in Vancouver next month. Welcome back. The Lions have only been going for six days at training camp in Kamloops, but they will play their first preseason game already tomorrow in Edmonton. Former Eskimo Mike Riley will not be making the trip to play against his former team. Instead, the three guys vying for the backup spot will get a chance to show Lions rookie head coach Devon Claybrooks what they got.
10: Sometimes they make bonehead plays and sometimes they drop a great throw in the bucket. So I mean we just need the consistency and that type of thing. We need the consistency and command in the huddle. And I'm like, you have a great mentor. I mean you have one the, you have arguably the best quarterback in the business in your room. So you should be soaking it up like a sponge. When he meets with the receivers, you should be sitting there even at the little kitty table because you can't get the big piece of chicken, but still be sitting there listening, you know how the kids eavesdrop on the big table. So you should be doing that and taking advantage of it. And that's what I've tried to tell them and and they kinda get it and it's a slow process, but you know, that's why training camps three weeks, right?
8: It's thought it was decent it's this is fun 25. listening to devon Playbrooks talk about yeah. anything love that guy third round of the charles schwab challenge at colonial in dallas that's jordan spieth's hometown put on a show for the hometown crowd 29 footer for birdie on the first and then at seven from a little further out you know, spieth just has an affinity for making the long bombs this one from 37 feet Speeth on the hunt at seven under two behind the leader kevin na also tied for second canadian Mackenzie hughes his approach at 18 is tight. That's to about four feet. Hughes will then knock that in for a birdie. Five under 65 for Hughes. Second lowest round of the day. He'll play in the final group with Kevin Na tomorrow. Merritt's Roger Sloan is tied for 15th at three under. LPGA is in Williamsburg, Virginia for the Pure Silk Championship. Canada's Brooke Henderson making a big move on the front. This birdie at eight capped off a five under 31 on the front side and A tie for the lead, then at the 10th, Brooke with another birdie putt, and this one goes down. She's in front now at 11 under. Now by the time she got to 18, she was a shot off the lead, but a nice approach. playing about six or seven groups behind the leaders. so she set the pace today. Knocks that to about eight feet, and then she will put that in for birdie. A 7 under 64, low round of the day for Brooke. She's at 12 under, and just one shot off the lead at the Pure Silk Championship. 18-year-old Felix auger Aliasim fell in straight sets to Frenchman Benoit Paire at the Lyon Open today, so the young Canadian remains in search of his first ATP tournament title. auger Sim was slowed by a groin injury. Hopefully, it won't be an issue as he heads to Roland Garros in the French Open, which begins tomorrow in Paris. Felix is seated 25th at the second major of the season. He will play his opening match on Monday, as will all of the Canadians in the singles draw. Dennis Shapovalov, Bianca Andreescu, and Jeannie Bouchard is back playing as well. Blue Jays and Padres starting for San Diego. Cal Quantrill, the 24 year old son of former Blue Jay pitcher and Ontario native Paul Quantrill. There's his dad watching nervously from the skybox. Quantrill looking for his first major league win got plenty of offensive help. A grand slam off the bat of Austin Hedges. 7-1 San Diego. Quantrill was chosen 8th overall in the first round of the 2016 draft by the Padres and he had a memorable outing. Struck out a career high 9 over Six struck out the side in the sixth, including Vladdy Guerrero Jr., to get that first victory as the Padres pounded out the Blue Jays 19 to 4 was the final. There we go. We see lots of sons of major leaguers playing in all sports these days. Isn't it It true? Yeah. Helps to have a talented dad or mom. No kidding. Mm
0: -hmm. Coaching you the whole (laughs) time so as we know the summer olympic and paralympic games are in tokyo next summer and japanese officials want people attending to be prepared with well the right kind of clothing so here's what they've come up with here we go athletes coaches officials and spectators are being warned about the city's notoriously hot and humid summer weather organizers are particularly concerned about heat strokes so The Tokyo Metropolitan Government has come up with the lightweight parasol type of hat. Yes, they intend to distribute 900 of them for trial use at events this summer. The Environment Ministry is also promoting a campaign encouraging men to wear them in particular since women tend to use handheld parasols. Oh, that's not going to... You're not going to get any kind of ridicule by wearing no, one of those. I
8: think they could make them just a little bigger. If there's <laughs> just a bit bigger. Eighty thousand people yeah, sitting at the stadium, and like, yeah, how are they, they won't, be, a, won't be able to turn. Together. You know, and they never thought of that. It's, it's
4: just they're just testing it out. Just
0: test, just yeah. to run. Yeah.
8: Backwards hat is the best way. To,
0: oh, not <laughs> to mention the hat head. Have a
4: great night. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>